Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Francesco Colosimo, and my co-host today is Reese Patterson. And we are here with Alexis Pasquale. Thanks for being here, Alexis. Thank you, it's my pleasure. All right, so let's get right into the interview. So uh, we interviewed you last year in very different circumstances. Uh, yeah, we're still interviewing over Zoom, so that hasn't changed. Um, but why don't you give us a little bit of a refresher of who you are and what you do and what you study? Sure. Uh, so uh, again, my name is Alexis. I'm a PhD student at the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department. I'm in my third year uh, now, PhD, uh, and mostly my work is uh, related with um, machine learning and artificial intelligence for space applications. So like uh, helping rovers find new and interesting rocks, um, making satellites a bit more intelligent uh, in terms of deciding what images uh, to send back down to Earth, uh, and the other uh, project uh, that I am on is uh, helping scientists uh, automatically characterize images of rocks. So yeah, the, for the most part, that's my uh, my, my research work. Uh, and um, among other things, like I, I do, uh, I'm part of the CubeSat team at Western. Uh, I have, I've also been part of the balloon team. Uh, yeah, actually, that's that's pretty much everything else uh, that I do. So no, that's that's super super interesting, and and you mentioned that, um, you know, you're looking, and you're studying artificial kind of intelligence applications for finding certain things in space. So, um, can you explain that more and and tell us, you know, what exactly goes into that and what you're looking for almost? Sure. Uh, so uh, he, here's how the story goes. Right, like if you're imagine you're a rover in a different planet. Uh, and um, you are, you know, like given the task to like, you know, take pictures of rocks and, um, you know, just the, the landscape uh, in general. So what I'm trying to do is to help the, the rover um, find interesting or, or unexpected things um, in, in, in the planet or world uh, that it is on. Um, so, so the way that we do that is by taking images, uh, yeah, taking images taken by a rover, uh, and then analyzing the, the, the data from uh, from that. Let's say, for example, here. I'll, well, I guess this is a podcast, so it's not maybe worth showing you the actual rover. But let's say with this rover over here, uh, the background, uh, we strap the camera onto it. Uh, driven it around the Mars yard uh, in the CSA, in the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, and then we've taken a picture, or we've taken pictures of all the rocks that are, that are in there. Um, and, and so what we're trying to do now is if let's say we pretend that the rover um, has a model of existing rocks in the Mars yard, what if there's something new or something uh, an interest or something unexpected in the Mars yard, would the rover be able to find it? Uh, and, and so that's the, the idea there. So, so all the, the data sets that we're working with are all images. And so the, 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 the concept is, all right, if, if the rover finds this interesting thing, uh, now it would let the scientists or the operators know uh, that, oh, hey, here's an interesting thing. You might want to check this out more or uh, do more science on it. Uh, and so 
but yeah, I guess that's a, the, the very high level summary of, of what the intelligent rover uh, does. So basically you're putting a mini geologist on the rover and saying, find cool things. So what exactly are you looking for? Like, are you looking for minerals? Are you looking for um, different types of rock? Are you looking for perhaps Martian footprints or cyanobacteria or aliens? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, one of those things is not like the other, but the, uh, um, the main thing is that we are working with uh, images from a camera. So just RGB images. Um, and, and so I, I, we probably would not be able to see uh, bacteria or anything like that with an RGB camera. We also probably wouldn't be able to uh, detect different types of minerals just from an RGB camera. I mean, it's possible, but it's going to be very difficult, right? Uh, and, and so for, for the most part, the interesting thing uh, that we're talking about here uh, is anything that's visually different from what the rover would expect uh, in Mars. Um, and, and so these could be like meteorites. Uh, and it would be very visually different from any like normal regular rock uh, in, uh, in Mars. Um, the other thing that can be new is some artifacts that a rover has made in Mars. So let's say for example, if it has you know, drilled a hole uh, in, into, the, uh, in, into a rock. Like if you take a picture of a scene with a hole in it, uh, the, having a, a model of something like this would help the rover find where, it, uh, where the hole is. Uh, so it's things like that, things that are visually uh, different. Right, that, that, no, that makes total sense. And, and uh, just for clarification, Alexis, the technology that you're working with, does it do any analysis or it's almost just trying to um, get a lay of the land, if you will, and um, try to find cool things and then send those images back down to earth for analysis. Yeah, so, so that was, that's the end goal uh, of the whole model, just find new things for subsequent analysis. Um, because for, uh, for a rover in that kind of situation, it would have other instruments that can do the science, right? So for example, for uh, Perseverance or uh, Curiosity, they have those uh, contact instruments that they can uh, use to do some science. Like, I, I don't know what, but uh, it, it can do like things uh, on, the, on the rocks. So when do we hear about the Mars rover taking control of its own AI brain and totally goes rogue on Mars? <laughs> see, see here, it, 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 this is a very, I guess, uh, common uh, misconception about AI and machine learning that the, the, the robots would be like sentient and would have its own, you know, brain and, and do its own thing. But essentially, machine learning and AI is just linear algebra and statistics. Uh, and so, uh, so if, if you imagine, right, like it's, if you take an image, uh, it is just a grid of numbers. And so if you do math and linear algebra and statistics on the on the images, uh, the, the rover would know some things about the image. And so we're not completely giving uh, uh, the rover a brain, right? Um, so it's, yeah, it's just a, a tool to do one very specific thing. I just thought I'd ask, you know, it may come up in a conversation. I just needed to know. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, so if, if, you know, if this question comes up in any of your conversations, just let them know. AI and machine learning is just linear algebra and statistics. Ah, uh, yes, our favorite our favorite topics to learn about in school as a science major is linear algebra and statistics and calculus and all that. Yeah, yeah first year coming, coming back at me in full force. <laughs> exactly, there's nothing scary about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be, um, it seems to be that the way that the world is going, like we've just kind of touched on the, on the beginnings of this, uh, of this science. Um, what problems have you encountered so far already uh, when developing something like this? Or has there been a roadblock where you're like, hmm, I really didn't think about it this way? Sure. Uh, well, um, the biggest thing uh, that I'm encountering now is that rocks in uh, different planets or in different places all look very similar. Like if, if you uh, imagine Mars, right? Like it's all covered in dust. Uh, and so everything is red. So if you take a picture of, of a rock, it's most likely going to be covered in dust and it's going to be like very red. And so it's, it's very difficult uh, making a model that would recognize something new if everything is colored red, right? Uh, so, so that's one of the biggest, um, I guess, hurdles that I'm trying to uh, solve now. Because even in, in the uh, data set that we have uh, taken a picture of uh, in the Mars yard, like all rocks are gray. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, like finding a different gray rock um, is, is, very, is very difficult. So now uh, what we're trying to do is um, finding the, the correct model configuration to find, you know, new, uh, new quote unquote uh, rocks. So, so yeah, that's one of the challenges. Uh, the other challenge um, is that computers uh, and rovers and satellites and other uh, planetary machines are not very high powered. Right? So um, our phones uh, is, 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 are most likely, you know, more computationally complex than uh, Perseverance or Curiosity. Um, and, and so running models on uh, low powered computers is very challenging. Um, so yeah, that's the other uh, challenge uh, that we're trying to, to solve uh, or figure out for, for this research. Reese, you got me thinking, and this may be a silly question, but Alexis, if, if a rover breaks or um, malfunctions in a way, uh, what happens? Well, uh, what happens is that no one is there to fix it. Usually, uh, planetary machines or planetary rovers, satellites, and everything else—they are designed and built to be, you know, like very survivable because of exactly this. Like, there is no one uh, to fix it. So, if it breaks, then it's uh, it's gone, um, essentially. And so, this is also part of the reason why the computers and, and rovers are not very computationally. Comp uh, complex uh, because uh, computers that are powerful um, uh, tend to not survive in space. Uh, and so computers, uh, the, the computers that have been deployed are, you know, like very, are, are old, uh, they're radiation hardened, um, and they're made to make sure that they can survive uh, space, uh, space conditions.
I know that every geologist can, uh, can relate, especially when looking at rocks. Going back to your, your color theory, there's lots of gray rocks out there. There really are. And it's funny how many different shades there are and different, um, different grain sizes and different everything, but it looks, it looks all the same in one picture. You look at an outcrop or something like that. And it's just like, it's gray. Fantastic. More gray. Oh, maybe there's some red. Oh, more gray. It's fantastic. So I can definitely, uh, I can definitely maybe relate to this machine, uh, about, <laughs> about this. Um, so you kind of, you were mentioning the Mars yard, Mars yard. Is that what you were saying? So obviously you were building it on earth and obviously, uh, there has to be some type of analog that's on earth to relate back to Mars. Um, how does the Mars yard kind of hold up to the extraterrestrial planet that we've got orbiting our solar system? That is a very good question. So the Mars yard uh, is a, I, I guess it's, its official name in the CSA uh, is analog terrain facility. So it is an outdoor field, which is essentially just a, 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 like a sand pit with rocks placed in it. Uh, so there's a, there's a few different rocks that have been placed there, uh, which may or may not be uh, typical in Mars. Um, I think they also rearrange some of it uh, from time to time. So just have a, like a, a, a different environment, but um, it is definitely not a very, like, I guess it's not a representative enough of what Mars looks like. Because uh, it's uh, because one, it's outdoor, obviously, so you'd have uh, like different features outside of it. Uh, the 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 rocks, uh, the rock structures um, uh, are also artificially placed, uh, and so there are structures where it's like like a half wall. So it's like a wall, but it's like broken down a bit. Uh, uh, there are like mounds of rubbles that are like just placed there. So it's, it's simulating an environment uh, or, or a planetary environment, but it's not necessarily like Mars. We just, I guess it's just nicknamed uh, Mars Yard. Right, that makes sense. And, and, and the way I'm almost seeing this is it's a very you know, intricate technology that's almost trying to detect things. Um, and, and I was wondering if, if you believe or if there, it's already happening where this type of technology is being used in other fields as well. So yes, th this technology is, uh, has been used uh, in Earth uh, and uh, it is used uh, commonly. Uh, I guess a, an example that is uh, related uh, is the entry, descent, and landing system of Perseverance has used uh, a very similar technology like this. Uh, and so if you're familiar with how, how it works, um, but it, uh, essentially it's the, the, the back shell um, of the whole thing, uh, scanning the ground underneath uh, to find a flat spot for which the rover could land. Uh, and, and so it's doing this uh, automatically without input from uh, the operators uh, at all because, because of the communications delay, right? So, uh, with the uh, descent uh, happening very fast, the rover has to be able to find uh, a flat uh, landing zone uh, in Mars. And so this is a, a very like, similar technology. 
Um, and even in, um, in Earth or, yeah, in terrestrial applications, there are uh, situations where uh, rovers in mining, uh, mining explorations uh, finding new and interesting things. Um, yeah, satellite imagery um, of Earth, uh, this technology has been used uh, to the, uh, in that application as well. So yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of applications uh, here on Earth. What do you think the potential of this technology, like how far do you think this technology could go? So we're in 2020, no, we're in 2021, <laughs> going into 2022. <laughs> um, so say in like 10 years or even 20 years, like where do you see this technology going? Maybe close the answer off to like space exploration, but we'll talk about earth later. Sure. Uh, so I, I think uh, autonomy would only be used more and more. Uh, as space exploration missions um, in increase, uh, because the the challenge with um, having you know more ambitious uh, space exploration missions to like other planets, other uh, like bodies that are far away, uh, is that manual operations become more difficult. That is like sending a command from Earth to the um, to the rover or satellite takes such a long time. Uh, and so there's, it, it's very hard to have like a real time command of, of the spacecraft. And so uh, if this requires that the spacecraft be autonomous and, and that it can do things on its own. Uh, and, and so if, if the trend is that uh, we are going to do a lot more um, space exploration and farther away, uh, then the use of autonomy is also going to increase uh, alongside with that. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. And I have to ask, in, in your personal opinion, uh, what is the coolest thing this type of technology has uncovered um, on Mars or, or anywhere else? Uh, let, me, let me think for a bit here. You can say aliens. It is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> We'll keep it a secret if it's aliens. If you're yeah, not and we'll fix it in post. We, we, if you can tell us. See, it, it's a very hard question to answer because I think that the technology itself is very cool and very interesting in itself already. Um, because yeah, even even in Curiosity, the, this uh, autonomy has been uh, has been used there. So Curiosity can. Uh, automat uh, automatically find and target rocks. Although the the, the news of um, with the, of perseverance using uh, the computer vision, machine learning uh, to automatically find a landing spot was, I think, the coolest uh, so far that I've uh, that I've heard. Because one, it's like a very high stakes kind of thing, right? Where it's uh, you know like oh, if this fails, then uh, the, the rover is in a high risk of crashing. Um, and yeah, it's just cool, uh, super cool in my brain that they were able to use that kind of technology there. That's why you see everybody in like mission control, like laughing and crying when every, everything lands safely. And it's like, ah, success. Even though we've tested this millions of times, it's just, <laughs> it could be that one time, you never know. <laughs> exactly, like everything has to go right. Right. So the, if one thing goes wrong, then the mission is uh, at risk. Yeah, it's uh, when 
when was the last Mars rover? It was, it was it this year or was it last year? Uh, Perseverance was this year. Perseverance was this year. I, my, t- as you can obviously tell on this episode, I don't know what year it is. I don't know what time it is, <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember that. I do remember it. It was very exciting. Is there a plan? Obviously there's plans to release more out there so that we can learn more about Mars. Are we sending more to any other planets? Like, or is it just, is this kind of technology really kind of focused on Mars only? Uh, it, it can be applied anywhere, really. Uh, the, this, the, 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 this technology is generic enough that it can be, can be used in any application. Yeah, I'm not entirely, uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure if the other missions would uh, have some sort of autonomy involving um, computer vision uh, and uh, cameras and images and things like that. But I am sure that if there's an opportunity to use uh, autonomy in uh, any space exploration or yeah, space, um, spacecraft, uh, it would probably be uh, used there. I mean, we do see it on Earth. There are some instances of AI, like self-driving cars and all that kind of stuff, which is which is pretty neat. Um, and I can see the future of the world kind of moving in that direction. Um, I don't want to say it's going to be like Wally, but it could be like Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the things would have to go like very yeah. wrong. Alexis, uh, due to previous conversations, we know that you actually do some work uh, in self-driving car systems. And I was really curious about that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, So so this is the other part of my uh, work that is, uh, yeah, I guess not not completely related space. But um, so with the self-driving car company, we're working with them uh, to develop, uh, yeah, again, machine learning and AI systems to do various things. Uh, previously, what we have done is um, a, a model that can find the charge port of a Tesla using a camera. Uh, we have also implemented models that can uh, detect the poses of humans. So like if a camera on a car sees a human being, uh, it, would, it would be able to tell if the person is walking and in what direction it would, is, it's walking towards. Uh, more recently, we have been uh, implementing models that can track uh, a human person as it moves through a screen. And yeah, so, so it's just a bunch of like uh, applications of uh, AI machine learning using cameras for uh, self-driving car uh, applications. So are we going to see your name on the next uh, self-driving car that's going to be in competition to Tesla? Is it going to be Pasquale? Is it going to be? Is that going to be the next one? Probably not. I wish. I wish I was part of a a thing that develops like the actual self-driving car. But so yeah, so our our work is mostly concerned with the uh, intelligent system with the with cameras and uh, things like that. Still interesting. Still cool. (laughs) (laughs) Still important. Yeah, this is, no, this is like incredibly interesting. And Alexis, what led you to, uh, you know, study artificial intelligence? Like what, what kind of drove you to, you know, really pursue uh, an education in, in this type of field and these type of systems? Sure, yeah. So uh, I guess the ideal answer would have been that, oh, I've always wanted to work in AI and computer vision and things like that. But it was, my, my story was, was not like that at all. Um, and so, cause I, I came into Western 
thinking that I would be involved in designing and building rovers. Um, but uh, as, as fate would have it, um, uh, the, the research work that I was working with my supervisor involved um, computer vision, uh, AI and machine learning. And once I started uh, dabbling in that kind of area, it just seemed so interesting to my brain at that time. Um, and well, it still is interesting to me uh, uh, until now. And, and so I just decided to stick with it uh, and, and, and continue studying AI and machine learning. It's funny how people's paths, like you kind of start off with one thing and then everyone always seems to kind of deviate and find their own, their own way uh discovering new things and that's one of the good things about labs and education and stuff like you it just opens up so many possibilities that you never thought when you're going into your bachelor's or your master's or your phd like it just keeps snowballing and keeps going and it's a it's fantastic yeah and that's exactly what grad school or school in general is right like you, you get to try a lot of different things you get to make mistakes in a lot of different things uh, and, and so you get to figure out what you want, what you want to do. Uh, and then you get to learn a lot about yourself, uh, you know, trying a lot of different things. And so I, I, I do agree that, yeah, it's it, the, the path that you are on uh, right now sometimes is not what you intended. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am glad that I am on this path right now. So you said that it was uh, the Canadian Space Agency. So uh, is a dream to work at NASA, be at NASA? Well, it's, it's a very interesting question. Uh, while NASA and JPL, uh, they do a lot of cool things. Um, but I think personally, uh, living in the US um, is less ideal than living in Canada. Um, and I, Canada and Canada uh, and the, the CSA uh, are on the, the right path to be, you know, be more involved in space missions and, and, and do a lot more space uh, things. Um, and so all things considered, I, I think my preference would be uh, to stay in Canada and hopefully work in the Canadian space uh, industry. No, that's awesome. We, we got to be proud of, of our country and, and the place in which we do our research. And it's really cool that you want to keep, you know, such great work here. Um, I think that's awesome. And, and uh, I want to thank you, Alexis, for spending time with us today. And um, before we go, I would like to ask you if, if you can or would be willing to share uh, any social media or websites or, um, you know, resources that you're working on for our for our listeners and audience. Sure. Um, my website is uh, alexispascual.github.com. Um, and all my other socials are, uh, are there. Uh, I will say though, uh, I'm not very active in some of them. Um, but yeah, my, that's my website and you can find me in other places from there. That's awesome. Thank you, Alexis. This has been Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Francesco Colosimo, and my co-host was Reese Patterson. We've been speaking with Alexis Pasquale, and this episode was produced by Hira and Nadim. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. 
Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.